Hi everyone, I'm Sarah and this is How To Be Good, the podcast that explores what it means to be a good person in today's world. Today I'm talking with Catholic sister Adele Marie Altenhofen. We are so much more alike than different and what a joy. Sister Adele Marie joined the Sisters of St. Mary of Oregon on Valentine's Day in 1982 after completing her undergraduate studies in mathematics and Spanish at the University of Portland. She now serves as the president of the Sisters of St. Mary of Oregon Ministries Corporation. Based on a 43-acre campus in Beaverton, Oregon, this non-profit organization includes the state's only Catholic education system serving pre-kindergarten through to high school students as well as a skilled healthcare facility, providing long and short-term care, including an Alzheimer's unit. The corporation is also responsible for the maintenance of on-site housing for more than 60 people, including the 50 sisters who are based there at the mother house. Altogether, the corporation includes nearly 500 staff members. And in 2018, because of how she's led this business, Sister Adele Marie was awarded the Portland Business Journal's Woman of Influence Award. Now, this is an award designed to honour the region's most influential businesswomen, and Sister Adele Marie was the first honoree in the 15-year history of the awards to come from a religious vocation. I learnt so much during this interview. Sister Adele Marie has two master's degrees, runs a multi-million dollar business and loves sports, travelling, china painting and so many other things. This is such an open and gentle conversation about how well-rounded and active the day-to-day life of a sister is. I don't think sometimes we reflect on the fact that these women who might wear a veil had this other aspect of their lives where they are well-rounded people. I hope you enjoy the beautiful spirit of this conversation. It is my absolute pleasure to introduce you all to Sister Adele Marie Altenhofen. Well, first of all, I'd like to express that I am speaking to Sister Adele Marie Altenhofen. And uh, yes, it's true. I am a sister, a religious sister of a congregation here in the state of Oregon, Sisters of St. Mary of Oregon. But I'm not trying to speak on behalf of the whole Catholic Church. That would be the Pope's job. I'm not trying to speak of all Catholics in the United States or even for the the very um, notion of explaining something as a sister of St. Mary of Oregon would be that all sisters of St. Mary of Oregon think the same as I do. So first of all, I want to make it clear that I'm speaking on behalf of Sister Adele Marie um, personally, myself. So with that in mind, I've been thinking about that question about what does it mean to be good as a Catholic? And first of all, I, I reflect on the fact that in some ways, some things are very simplistic and are externals. Um, you think about what it means to be a good girl when you're growing up and what it means to be a good Catholic girl or maybe a good sister. And those are externals. Those things can be very simplistic about following rules. Um, I was reflecting upon the notion of, of having been a basketball player as a child and then through college. And to be a basketball player, you have to know the rules of the game. And what it is to follow the rules helps you be a, a better player, a good player. But a, a truly good player um, has somehow internalized what it is. So I was thinking about the fact that a good Catholic, a good person internalizes things. And it's a much more deep-seated, a much more um, uh, intrinsic uh, opportunity for us to be able to, to understand good and to then embrace it. 
So that's it becomes second nature to who we are. So that's a broad answer, but it, it kind of speaks to the fact that it starts with something maybe somewhat superficial about following rules or rubrics and how what we believe and how we practice our faith in, in different kinds of worship settings or liturgical um, celebrations. But it has much more to do with the intrinsic internalized sense of goodness that we come to understand. And does Catholicism pull out anything specifically that would make someone a bad person? So also I reflected on that. When I thought of what it means to be good, I considered Jesus' teaching about the two greatest commandments, to love God with your whole mind, your whole heart, your whole soul, and to love neighbor as yourself. So if those are the two greatest commandments, again, tough ones, um, some people might think that it might be hard to love God who we can't see or touch or feel in an external manner. But probably the harder thing is to really love oneself well and then to be able to love others. So if that is our basic commandment, um, Johann Metz in a book called Poverty of Spirit said that, that Jesus was the most truly human person. So he understood best what it was not to just be God, but to be truly human. So if we are aligning ourselves with loving self, which can be more difficult than we think, then it allows us to love others. So a bad person might have lost all hope or all sense of um, the, the really awesome nature that God loves me unconditionally and I can be loved by others and I can love myself. So perhaps what a bad person might be in that deeper sense of the word is somebody who lost hope or lost a sense that I am lovable and in my being lovable, I can love others. So that's a, a different kind of twist on it, but it, it, um, it left me with something deeper to consider. Thanks for sharing that. In some of the interviews we've touched on looking to people in the street and just being kind. And I think to do that, you have to start with yourself and liking and being kind to yourself. Are there some day-to-day -day actions that you think might fall under that being good? Just thinking, especially with what we're living through now with the pandemic, are there any examples of that real goodness you've seen that you could share with us? Well, I think one of the things in this time of pandemic uh, that we've all come to especially appreciate is are those little things. Um, how much we appreciate a real smile how often we're so masked up now that you can kind of see a smile in the eyes, but we've missed those little things. And I think some of those little things are ways that we can most touch others and express a sense of goodness and love. I'm very blessed to live in community. So there are about 50 sisters that live here. As that comes with its challenges, certainly we tease about 50 women being together and um, there are 50 ways to decorate your Christmas tree and 50 ways to make turkey dressing for Thanksgiving. But there are also 50 different ways that you can give and receive love. And certainly for us in religious life, it's not the same kind of um, intimacy shared with a married couple. But, you know, a nod of the head, an extra prayer being said for someone, a touch of the hand, um, sitting by someone who's sick or in our case right now, we have a couple sisters who are getting ready to meet God and, and go to heaven, um, sitting with them. Those are all smaller ways of being able to show um, a presence, um, a care, a sense that that best human person that you are has reflected and touched my life. And so I think those are ways that we can be good in today's world. 
I believe it was Valentine's Day in 1982 when you joined the Sisters of St. Mary of Oregon. And before that, you've mentioned that you were really drawn to a family life, but you then wanted to serve more people. I'm just really interested in how your personal idea of what being good has maybe, how that's changed over before being a sister and then becoming a sister and now, especially in this senior role that you have. I think I touched upon that a little bit in saying that as a child, you've learned to follow the rules. Um, What is it to be a good girl growing up and do what mommy and daddy tell you to do? And from moving from that to um, that deeper sense of recognizing that I'm lovable, um, that helps me be able to get in touch with what it is to be truly human, which then in in turn allows me to be um, more giving, more loving, more of a person who can reach out with genuine care and authenticity to others. I think that is more in line with what it is to be good than necessarily looking at the following of the rules or the exact um, following of, of, of rubrics. Um, that I think is what I have come to understand in a, in a deeper way, not just as a Catholic sister, but as a, a, as a person. You know, one who's getting ancient as she's passing into her, her seventh decade pretty soon here. So. Well, I think that it's interesting because we had a conversation before this interview about the stereotypes maybe of nuns. And I think that many of us have certain images, especially when we see the habit. And maybe we have this naive idea that you sit and you pray all day. But you are the president of the Sisters of St. Mary of Oregon Ministries Corporation. And that's a multi-million dollar nonprofit organization. And you lead and oversee all the management, fiscal, programmatic fundraising activities and in 2018, because of this work, you were named by the Biz- by Portland Business Journal as one of their women of influence. And I'm going to quote directly from how they describe that award, because it's designed to honour the region's most influential businesswomen. You were the first person, I believe, with a religious vocation to win that. But could you maybe share with us the reality of life as a nun, especially linked to the business side of things? So first I'll explain the difference between nun and sister, because that actually is a difference. One of our sisters won a radio broadcast um, stump the disc jockey question and uh, for that. A nun is actually a a sister who has dedicated her life to prayer uh, and is going to be a contemplative sister. So a sister, in my sense, is apostolic. So we're out and about among the people doing ministry. So first to clarify that, just a, a tad. But the next piece would be that I would reflect on the fact that sisters, in many ways, um, if you looked back in history over the last hundred years, let's say, when women were um, lay people were coming into their own as far as being able to um, hit their stride in the business world, some of the sisters had actually been doing some of those things for a very long time. Historically, we have sisters who have been teachers, yes, as as our lay counterparts have been, but we were also serving as principals of schools and administrators. We were looking at hospital systems and getting things going. Um, Some of the very earliest hospital systems in the United States were run by orders of of sisters. So you have women who are, are at the forefront, if you would, making Uh, financial decisions, making good, sound, um, efficient decisions for running a businesses, in some ways, um, far ahead of the game of their lay counterparts. So it is true. um, We bring to that notion, I have a mathematics degree. And so, you know, I was a math Spanish major. 
I don't think sometimes we reflect on the fact that these women who wear, might wear a veil had this other aspect of their lives where they are well-rounded people. I love athletics. I love sports. I love movies. I love um, travel. Um, I do China painting. My mother taught us to paint on China as a child. Um, so there are many facets um, we play wicked games of pinnacle here in the mother house too. So, so you see there, it, it's a quite a, a broad um, spectrum, spectrum of, of um, reality that make us who we are. And so plugging into that sense of uh, my mathematics background, um, my love for organization and order, my um, competitive nature to be able to do something and do it well and strive for excellence, which is one of our core values. I think all of that, plays into the aspect of me being able to lead the business well here on this campus so that our ministry is carried out in a manner that does reflect our core values, but is also um, certainly in line with, with civil law, with employment law, with all the things that are necessary today to do um, business well. And do you ever, having to have your head in that business world, has there ever been times where that's come into conflict with maybe your heart connection to the church? Because they do seem to maybe different spheres a lot of the time. It's it's interesting, um, even juxtaposing religious life where I have about poverty. And then on the flip side of that, I am signing checks for hundreds or thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars, sometimes millions of dollars when we're doing construction projects. And yet I live on, in a very simple way. Um, our community has a maximum personal budget of $100 a month. And that buys our shoes and our clothes and any kind of personal items that we have. So that in itself kind of puts you at a, at a, a crossroads or has you straddling um, two different worlds. Um, so I think that might be one way that you you kind of see two um, different aspects of life coming together. As far as your heart and your head, um, a unified person has to, I would say, battle with that all the time anyway. Um, there's just an added layer as a religious sister too. Uh, but a person who's in touch with their heart, I think actually is the best kind of leader you could have who can um, meld that headiness with a, a, a concern and a uh, well-developed heart. So, you know, leading well, I think, blends the two. Um, somebody who's too much in their head or too much in their heart probably isn't going to be able to have as much um, impact and um, do what they need to do in a manner that's able to lead, truly lead and motivate others to, to follow and to serve in that manner that we would hope to do on this campus. And you mentioned $100 for the personal community. Is that all? Did you say there are 50 of you sisters? Is that that whole community in the, on that budget? So, yeah, each of us in our community, we can spend up to $100 a month for our personal um, needs. Um, most of us can do that uh, much less than that, live on much less than that. Now, granted, you know, my my shelter, my food, my um, basic necessities are, are taken care of. But these would be, you know, clothes, you know, if you like some of those perfumes or something like that, something, things of that nature. Certainly makeup's not part of the game, but, but um, that, uh, that is, is used out of our personal budget. 
And that's really made me interested. Could you maybe just describe what the kind of day-to-day life is for you and the sisters together there? I imagine it's really different for each sister, but just to give us an idea of how you live on a day-to-day basis. So our community, though we're apostolic, meaning we're out and about um, doing the ministry actively uh, among people, um, we still have maintained quite a, a lot of the monastic traditions as well. So we rise fairly early and come together for morning prayer and a celebration of the Eucharist or Mass together. So that's how we start our day. And it's actually the bookend of how we end our day because we gather together at the end of the day also for um, our liturgy of, of the hours praying together. Um, in our community, in the mother house here, our chapel is directly above our dining room. So I always chuckle about that, that we feed our spirits before we go down and feed our tummies. And when you feed your tummy, you're also feeding your sense of community and spirit because a table gathering, as Jesus taught us, um, the gathering at the table is what nourishes us in a holistic fashion. So we come together for prayer. We join together for meals. And then we're out and about um, doing the business of our day. Some of us are teachers. Some of us are parish uh, pastoral workers. Some of us are social workers at the nursing home or Uh, director of pastoral care. Uh, I come to the office and do administrative business. Um, You see some sisters will um, move into a role of intra-community service where they are being present to other sisters here in in the mother house. So we have administrators of the mother house who oversee the needs of the sisters here, um, the young ones as well as the older ones. Uh, We have directors of novices and formation directors who help teach and promote the values of the congregation with our newly um, uh, installed members, if you would. Um, So we go about a business of the day. We come back together in the evening um, for prayer and finish with our meal or dinner together. We all do dishes together. We all mop floors and do the rest and um, head off to bed. It sounds like those coming together are good times to kind of ground your intention. And something that's come up a lot in these interviews is this intention versus action and where the, like the importance between those, does Catholicism find one more important than the other? Or how does that kind of, how's that philosophy within Catholicism? Well, interestingly, I'd have to say um, a few mottos that have percolated over our campus. So we talk about changing times, lasting values. We talk about service with love. We talk about community care through faith and action. So just what you posed about having an intention that informs us before we turn around and act. Um, It's important. I mean, certainly in times of emergency, you have to act and turn it around on a dime. But when you are grounded in a sense of prayer, Um, and peacefulness, people will come onto our campus and say, oh my goodness, even though you have a thousand plus students here, even though you have a nursing facility with over 150 residents at at a given time, even though you have up to 500 employees here, um, this campus is so peaceful. And we we all chuckle because we think, really, (laughs) does it seem that peaceful sometimes? But there is truly a, um, a place of groundedness, I think, that is Um, core to our lives, and maybe we don't always even realize it, but that core grounds us, and from that, we respond. 
so that the sense of providing care through action is coming out of a, a place that is um, of the heart to move the hands. And how does the concept of forgiveness work with that if then there is an action that is deemed as, you know, not positive for the community? How do you, how does, I know, because I always, when I think of Catholicism, I think of the confessional and it's kind of something that's really emphasized a lot. Well, I think uh, a focus on reconciliation, we just had reconciliation not long ago. That would be um, the official name for the sacrament of confession. Um, the priest that came that day talked to us about the word reconsider and that if you really stop and reconsider what you've done, um, there are all kinds of options where we could do it better and we could realign. And so a notion of um, going back to that place of hope and, okay, I goofed, but I'm still lovable and I'm still loving and I can reconsider and realign. I think that is um, something that has to be a, uh, a quality that we not only um, want to uh, embrace, but something that we have to practice. And so I think uh, you're right. Um, that sense of, of reconciliation is, is very important. Perhaps even during times of COVID and, and pandemic, um, as noted, coming together in community has a, a huge blessing for all of us. But one sister said, you know, I never entered a monastery to be a, a cloistered sister. I was always going to be out and about. Uh, I love you all, but this is a bit too much. You know, so <laughs> uh, Only one sister was uh, charged with going out and going shopping. All the rest of us had to give her our lists so that she would go and try to keep the COVID at bay. So, um, you know, we're human like everybody else and um, reconciliation is a part of our, our day-to-day experience, certainly. That's really lovely to hear. And when you say you're human, is I'd love, I often try and ask about any times of self-doubt, like kind of across your journey and especially your religious journey and you joined very young, have you ever had moments of self-doubt about whether you're on the right path or you're doing the right thing? I would say just like everybody else. Um, I tease. Somebody said to me one time, oh, you look so happy. You must be so pleased to have become a sister. And I said, well, thank you. I said, um, now let me ask you, Every you're married, yes. I said, do you love your husband equally every minute of every day? I said, aren't there moments where you you know, want to just pull out your hair and scream because he splattered toothpaste on the bathroom mirror or left his dirty socks out and didn't put him in the hamper. I said, doesn't that exist for you? And they said, well, yes. And I said, well, likewise, Um, there are days, there are moments where you just want to, you know, do something with that rubbing of elbows and shoulders next to each other every single day can have its moments. But in the end, I can remember and think, um, I was at the top of the choir loft and looking down on our sisters and I thought, is there any one of these that I wouldn't really save if we were out and had hit an iceberg? Um, would, would I want to save her? And it's like, yep, that one too, that one too. Yes, even that one who I didn't have a great interaction with today, uh, that one too. And so, yes, just as there are times in your married life, you might doubt, was this a good choice for me? Um, I think we all have those moments. I think in faith itself, we have self-doubt with regard to, do I really believe that? 
And have I given myself to that? And the answer would be at the end of the day, yes, I do. And um, it's what grounds me and keeps me where I need to be so that the heart and the head align. And I think that the business can get done. Wow. Well, it sounds like that really helps to steer, especially such a multifaceted organization that you lead. That mentality really helps to keep that calm. Now, if you could give our listeners one piece of advice about how they could go out today and do something kind of practical or just to contribute positively to the world, what would you recommend they do? One, love yourself. And two, take that out to others. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you. And is there anything, we're coming now to the end of our time. So is there anything we haven't covered that you would want to talk about or anything you'd like to say that about being good or not, or about Catholicism or sisters? I would just say that I am so grateful to have reflected on the fact that we are so much more alike than different. There are so many more things in our lives, um, as noted earlier, that the smile, the nod, the kind word, um, those kinds of things, the familial bonds, the time of being able to share a meal together, those things are paramount. Um, They are tantamount to what it is to be human, to be good, to be relational, to be able to truly celebrate every single day, God and life. And what a joy, what a joy. My deepest thanks go to Sister Adele Marie for taking the time to talk with me. I genuinely love this conversation. Sister Adele Marie has such a kind and compassionate energy that just shines through and you can't help but feel better after talking with her. If you'd like to find out more about the Sisters of St. Mary of Oregon, you can visit the website. I'll add a link in the show notes. It's www.ssmoministries.org. And if you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more episodes and interviews exploring the question of what it means to be a good person in today's world, then please consider hitting the subscribe button. And if you have time and liked what you heard, then I would love you to leave a review and share with your friends. I'm in the early stages of this podcast, very much learning as I go. And so any help and support is really appreciated. Thank you for listening. And if you have any questions or suggestions, please email me at any time. It's sarah at howtobegood.co.uk and I would love to hear from you. Thank you.